for LBW. Oh, he's got him. That's well run, or is it? Oh, a fielder. That's out. That's got to be out. That's beautifully done. What a great effort. That's unbelievable. That is sensational. Now, this will be interesting. Short, fine legs. Hey, welcome to Short, Fine Legs, South Africa's premium cricket podcast, which is now proudly brought to you by Orko. Africa's favourite auctioneers. Orco are the biggest hitters in online and live auctions, featuring the best brands in luxury and budget vehicles and trucks, as well as furniture, appliances and gadgets for your home and office. The Orco team are also the biggest cricket fans out there, so naturally we're quite big fans of them too. Visit their website www.orco.com or follow them on social media so you're kept up to date with their latest auctions. Hey, welcome to Short Fine Legs, the cricket podcast that is trying very hard not to take a left turn into negative town, as Faf Duplessis once warned. But it feels we've actually been paying rent here for almost four years now. Look, there's a lot to unpack from South Africa's 113 run defeat to India at Centurion, a stadium that was once considered a fortress for the Proteas, but was so easily stormed, it might as well have been guarded by mannequins. Losing the toss in bowling didn't help, especially since the two opening bowlers, Kakiso Rabada and Lungiangidi, hadn't bowled with a red ball in a match since July. And the test was effectively lost in that opening session and a half, with KL Rahul and Mayank Angawal looking assured and reaching 117 without too much fuss. Both bowlers found their groove and eventually looked like the devastating duo we all know them to be, but they got their selection wrong. Let's be honest, they got their selection wrong. The omission of Dwan Olofia looked suspect at first and was later explained away by selector Victor Mitsang, who cited COVID and hamstring injury. But then why wasn't Lucy Sapamla or Sasanda Magala or Glenton Sturman playing? You know, guys with recent experience bowling with the Red Bull. Don't get me wrong. I, I think a lot of people got this confused when I tweeted it. I, I don't think that Lungengidi should have been rested, but I don't think that Marco Janssen should have played. I like the look of him. I mean, he's two meters tall, has a languid, easy run-up and bowls with his left arm. I mean, he's effectively a unicorn in South African cricket. And I hope he has a stellar career, and by all accounts, he, he probably will. In fact, Vion Mulder's probably in a bit of trouble now with, with Jansen showing that he can bat as well. But failing to pick someone fresh and in form was a mistake, and it may have cost South Africa the series already. Because India's bowlers are so good. They're so good. Pat Cummins might have something to say about this, but I'm not sure if there's a better bowler than Jasper Bumrah right now. He's just a delight. Every ball is a threat from that weird action and his little scattered run-up. And Vera Kohli must go to sleep at night with a smile on his face, knowing he's got a seam attack that will carry his team to a serious victory in South Africa. Remember the, the, place, the one place that India haven't won. To go along with the recent triumphs in Australia and England. But I don't want to pick at the bones of that defeat too much. Elgar did what he always does. Sadly, so did Keegan Peterson. Who doesn't look ready for the number three position. I'd like to see him shift down to six with Rusty Van Edison, If Rusty Van Edison keeps his spot. Coming in at first drop. I've always believed that Aiden Markham is better suited to the middle order. And... I'm not going to bang that drum too loudly now. I'm not sure I'm ever going to get my wish. I, I, I know for a fact the player himself wants to continue opening the batting. 
I know that the, that the that Dean Olga likes opening the batting with him, but I think we're we're wasting what is now South Africa's best batter at the top of the order. You know, every opener has got a got a new ball with his name on it eventually, and why not just give your best batter the best opportunity to score big runs? It's getting harder to defend Vian Mulder. And anyone who's followed my work, my writing, my podcasting will know that I'm a huge fan of the guy. I mean, I once erroneously wondered if he was the answer to the big hole that Jacques Cullis had left. And he's certainly got all the talent. He's still young, but he's probably got one more test to score runs before he loses the faith of the selectors. As I said, especially with Marco Janssen proving that he can hold a bat. And Kesha Maharaj, as wonderful as he is, and I rate him above every other spinner the country has ever produced, should have been carrying drinks and Centurion. And for the sake of the series, I hope he does moving forward. I don't think the spinner is necessary. I think the Indian spinners, uh, Indian batters playing him well. And I'd like to see an all-seam attack. Olafia, if it has to play. I've covered the bowlers, which leaves me with two men who stand on different platforms in the psyche of South African cricket fans. And who represents what seems to be diametrically opposed ideals certainly among the fans i think they become totems for vitriol from both sides of this conversation and i think you know who i'm talking about the first man is temba babuma famously the first and only black south african with a test hundred he ended 2021 with his team's highest average with 53.6 the next best is dean elgo who averaged 44.2 and no one else averaged more than 40 this last year but here's the thing, and I'm guessing you know what's coming. Bavuma's top score was 61. He made two 50s. In the last four years, he's reached the 16 half centuries. But that ton against England on a flat deck in a meandering contest that ended in a draw is his only contribution of three figures in the scorebook. He doesn't need me or anyone else to tell him that that's not good enough. Two 50s in a test count the same towards the total score as a single hundred and a duck but i'll tell you what that single hundred wins you test matches two fifties in both innings do not but rather than state the obvious let's come up with a solution and i think it's pretty clear he has to bat at number four with 45 test matches under his belt he's no rookie and given the lack of experience around him it means he should be entrusted with the premier spot in the lineup especially if aiden markram is insisting that he wants to bat in the top Timber Bavuma is the vice captain, he skippers the whiteboard team, he captains his franchise, he's a respected and trusted figure in the game, in the country, and he's the only batter in the middle order who looks interested in batting for an extended period of time. It's not a wholly new position for him as he's batted at number four on 12 occasions. Look, the stats don't support my argument as he averages 21 there with a top score of just 71 against Bangladesh on the road that is Potchestrum. But I ask you, what alternative is there? We can't keep bemoaning his conversion rate if we're asking him to bat with the all-rounders and the tail every other innings. Give the man some responsibility. I think he's earned it. He's not Joe Root or Vera Kohli or Steve Smith or Kane Williamson, you know, titans of, 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 of international cricket right now. I don't even think he's the best batter in the lineup. But he has earned the right to be the alpha. And it's not like anyone else is putting their hand up to be the top dog at the minute. And I also think the added responsibility and over-trust in him would help. 
this is a guy who grew up literally looking up to all the big boys in school and scary fast bowlers who must have dismissed him as a little pipsqueak given his diminutive stature but he hooked and he pulled and he cut his way to the top and as a compact technique and a heart the size of a v8 engine he can do it let's back him now we come to the other side of the coin a man forever linked with timber because of a political act or rather the absence of one quentin de Kock, south africa's most talented wicketkeeper batter and a contender for a spot on the top five most talented batters of all time genuinely has retired from test cricket at the age of 29. he leaves with 3300 runs from 54 matches an average of 38 a strike rate of 70 as well as 600s and 2250s he also held on to 221 catches behind the stumps and nabbed 11 stumpings. As always, the numbers tell half the story. The man may not be the most eloquent speaker. I wouldn't want him doing my taxes or educating my children on history. But with a bat in his hand, I am very comfortable calling him a genius. His ability to pick up length is freakish, and he has such fast hands, able to cut the ball effectively out of the keeper's gloves and change his stroke as the ball is coming down at him. I mean, his pickup over the leg side is up there with one of the best shots in world cricket. His loss is massive for South Africa. Look, thankfully, Ryan Rickleton and Kyle Verena look cut out at the, for the elite level. But Quinton was special, is special. And I'm, I'm truly sad to see him leave. I interviewed him a few years ago in 2019 for a Cricket Monthly piece, which you can read if you like, called The Effortless Genius of Quinton de Kock. We chatted for over two hours, and to be honest, I got the sense that being an international cricketer wasn't something that he, he's ever loved doing. Don't misunderstand me. I, I believe he loves playing cricket. Playing cricket. I just don't think he ever found the joy in all that goes with it. The travel, the time away from home, interviews with the press, events with sponsors, the pressure, the scrutiny, the weight of expectation. He knows how fortunate he is, and the pay is tremendous, obviously. And that's afforded him a life that he does love. His passion for fishing in the bush is well documented. But cricket, I think test cricket in particular, five days in an average team in empty stadiums, missed the bio bubble now. I'm disappointed, but I'm not overly surprised to see him go before his time. He told me, and I quote, I back myself to know the game. I don't know what it is. I find it hard to explain. If I'm in the right space, I can see what will happen before it does. But there's no formula for how I do it. I couldn't teach anyone how to do it. He also said, there's more to life than just cricket. Now with fatherhood looming, he's taken a stand. We have to respect that, as disappointed as we might be. I want to save the analysis on his career for when he does eventually walk away for good. He's got a lot to offer the white ball side, and I reckon he's still got a few records to break. So if you were hoping for a deep dive on his, on his decision not to take the knee during the T20 World Cup, and how that decision impacted his legacy, well then you'll have to wait. This is about De Kock, the test cricketer, who once promised to be South Africa's answer to Adam Gilchrist. He still makes my all-time Proteus Test 11. As they say, don't be sad it's over. Be happy that it happened. That's our show. I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you've had a wonderful festive season that your 2022 is off to a great start. 
I'm so excited for the Wondrous Test, even though I won't be there in person. But if you're watching along on TV and want to drop me a line on Twitter, please do, at Daniel Gallen. Thanks, y'all. Catch you before the final test. Shout for LBW. Oh, he's got him. That's well run, or is it? Oh, a fielder. That's out. That's got to be out. That's beautifully done. What a great event. That's unbelievable. That is sensational. Now, this will be interesting. Short, fine legs.